Hey, good morning, Nashville. This is the Money Man, Money Man Mike Show, where we talk all things real estate here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. I am your host, Michael Thayer, with Waterstone Mortgage. I'm MLS license, and my license number is 173264. And joining me in studio today, we have Mr. David Lukey from Capital Homes. How are you, sir? I am excellent. Good morning. Man, I am glad to have you because you, man, you just bring a different flair to the show. Oh, well, thank you. You always have the the insight to get deep into the numbers, and JT has to kind of pull us out of the weeds every now and then because we like <laughs> to get into all the, oh. the numbers and have fun with it. But yet, at the same time, man, you give us a cool perspective from the builder side and, you know, just, you know, just unique JT, I think things, I just man. got called the nerd. Yeah, and Dude, I think you're you, good that's a lot of pressure on you because if you suck today, oh, you man. know, David, I'm, in, I'm in, yeah. you're in trouble. Yeah, I'm in trouble. I'll be in the ditch. <laughs> no, you're never in the ditch. And of course, JT behind a glass that makes it all happen, man. How are you today? I'm doing good. I'm thankful that the buzz that was in this mic is gone. You guys oh. never heard it, but it happened on Friday, and I made sure that engineering was made aware and it, they took care of it. Well, that's good. Yeah. It sounded like somebody with an electric razor. And you could not get over top of it. It was just like, Zzzz. oh wow, yeah, that'd been annoying. Yeah, I'm just glad I didn't realize it like ten minutes before we started. Heck today. yeah, man, that would have wow. been yeah, yeah, no good. Mm-mm. Hey man, if you guys uh, missed last week's show, you missed an outstanding show because we went over twenty tips. We didn't go through all twenty, but we hit about six or seven of them uh, for preparing your house for sale. And several of them you would not even think about, like if you have a gnome in your front yard, like JT does, you need to get rid of it. It's yeah. good luck, man. It's a good luck gnome. Well, you know, it's it's all good, but you still need to get rid of it before somebody comes up and looks at your front yard and is like, is that the house we want to live in? People yeah. need to understand. If they want to buy my house, the gnome comes with it. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm taking the gnome, it with me. Yeah, the gnome's going. <laughs> backing up the gnome. He's my good luck gnome. <laughs> That's right, man. That's pretty funny. But no, check out the, the tips. And then also, we got into some more renting versus owning. Really got into some numbers, different perspectives of... The appreciation that's built up, but then also how the actual paying down of your mortgage works and how you're taking money from your right pocket and putting it into your left pocket as you're paying your mortgage and paying down through the amortization of it versus just paying 100% of your rent towards your landlord and how that actually works and to see how much you're building in in principle, not building in principle, building in your retirement fund, essentially, you're building in equity every month and paying your mortgage. So that and then the tax benefit. And when you add all that up and take just the conservative numbers of home ownership and basic home, in, uh, not home improvement, but home um, appreciation. appreciation, thank you, over the last nine years, hmm. I mean, it's incredible how much money people are missing out on when they don't own their own home and they decide to continue to rent. So check that out because it's it's mind boggling numbers. Totally you know, in, a, in a normal market, which you know it's been abnormal lately, but oh, in a normal sure. market, owning a home over time is the best hedge against inflation you can have. Oh, absolutely. And the chart shows that. It shows you how that rental rate's gonna continue to go up at some point, whereas you're locking in your mortgage payment, your that payment will not go up outside of you any kind of adjustments to your property taxes and sure. homeowners insurance and stuff like that. So it's it's by far the best thing that you can do. And then of course we did some more uh, real estate lingo and so on. But um, this week's on the real estate lingo piece, we're going to get into condo versus non warrantable versus a condo tail. One Jimmy, more time? a condo tail. 
A condo tell. You, do, you never I heard of a condo tell? I've never heard of that. That's a new phrase to me. Really? Absolutely. What is it? Yeah, you got got us curious now. Oh, man. All right, so let's start with a condo. Everybody yeah. knows what a condo is. Sure. Well, let's define it for people. All right. So a condo is basically, well, you're the builder. Okay. So you've got uh, a joint uh, combined housing where or housing that's attached. Mm-hmm. So you got shared multifamily, not multifamily, that's a bad way to describe it, um, housing that's attached that can go multiple stories tall. Mm-hmm. Okay. Kind of like an apartment, but you own it. There you go. Now, non-warrantable gets into a situation where it's the exact same kind of structure, but now you get into issues where the banks won't lend on it because Fannie, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, the main investors that back everything, won't lend on it because of a guideline violation. Maybe there's something wrong with the HOA behind it. There's a financing issue with the way the HOA is structured. A lot of times you get into... Um, the investor saturation. There's too mm-hmm. many investors associated with it, so it's um, they don't like the they own occupancy versus the investment, mm-hmm. you know, tenant kind of ratio in it. So they they start to call them non warrantable condos. They don't want to do them. Now, then you get into condo tails. Okay. Now, same basic thing, except a condo hotel is basically set up to run like a motel or a hotel. So you go down to the beach. You're in a condo. On the beach, some of the units, you can go down and have a check-in office, right? Mm-hmm. You can get your keys, you can get your your papers, or you you know check in, get your keys, or whatever. But then other units, you can just go right up to because you've already been given the key code to get into the unit or whatever. But then other units, people actually live there. So you're talking about a condominium that may have a front office that does weekly rentals for the people that own those condominiums in there. Bingo. Got it. Or people actually physically live there year-round. Sure. So they call them condo tails. Yeah. They're the condominiums where they're purposely set up for the people who want to rent them for a time being, and then they may decide not to rent them, and so people live in them. So it's a condo, but they also have the management apparatus on-site set up so that you can rent them out through and and not have to deal with anything. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you get... It's all the same building, but it's the way the building's used, mm-hmm. the number of investors that are in the building based on the way, again, the way sure. the building's used. And then and then if you have a rental site on site, mm-hmm. then you kick over into that condo tail piece. Yes. So if you decide staycation is not for you, you can stay at a condo tail. Right? Well, if, you, if you're going to rent a place... You can rent a place at these uh, at a condo, and sometimes the administration of the condo is on site. Other times, you rent a condo from an individual, and you have to deal with them individually. And that would be something like one of the short term rentals and so forth. If you got a short term rental or something like that, yeah, you as a, you as a consumer, this wouldn't affect you at all if you're trying to go find a place to stay as far as a rental property or whatever. But if you're looking as an investor to buy a rental property, it totally impacts you. Because the guidelines of, of, of buying a condo for you as a second home is one thing versus an investment property. It's two totally different sets of guidelines. So When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about the definition of a condo again, just okay. for a second. Uh, yeah, because it's the, we that was really loose in what I said. Yes. But uh, you've been listening to the Money Man Mike Show. When we get back, we're going to pick up on the condo conversation. We're going to touch on a few more things um, about... Uh, lingo stuff and then we're going to get into uh, top renovation stuff for your maximum return on your investment you've been listening to the money man mike show here on news radio 1510 wlic we'll be right back 
Hey, welcome back to News Radio 1510 WLAC. You're talking to the Money Man Mike here on the Money Man Mike Show with David <laughs> Lukey from Capital Homes. And he's going to actually take us a step back here and break down the condo piece for us. Sure. And really help understand because during the break we were, we were talking about condos and there's so many ways to really. Yeah, I, I wish a condo. I wish Chris was here because he would be the best person yes, as yes, a title guy. Sure. Because what makes a condo a condo is not the physical structure; it's how it's titled. It's how the property is owned. So let's start with the simplest one. All right. You buy an acre out in the middle of the country, and you own your property, and you are not responsible to anybody other than the municipality around you for how you use it and what you do on it. Okay. So if you want to paint your house purple, you paint your house purple. If you want to park a travel trailer in your front yard, you tra- park a travel trailer in do your front yard. Do what you yard. want. Hey, it's your property. Rock on. Exactly. You want billy goats? Get billy goats. <laughs> okay? Then as you get into a, a more traditional subdivision, a modern subdivision, you have what's called a homeowners association. Right. And so you still own your property. You own corner to corner. It's all yours. But the HOA, the homeowners association, has restrictive covenants on you that you have to follow. Right. So you can't just paint your house purple, and you can't just park a travel trailer. You can't park your boat on a trailer in right. front without going through the association to get that approved, and and then some associations on you know that are riverfront or waterfront have carve outs exactly. so that you can do it. But but each association has their set of rules, and they're not uniform, but they're designed to fit for that community. A condo is you own certain elements and you don't own other elements. Okay. So so down in Fieldstone Farms, there are single family homes that are titled condo. Okay. So if you look at that, you see a house, you see grass, and you would say, well, that's a single family home with a you know, simple deed. But they're all condominiums. So the people who own that unit only own inside the drywall. They don't own the roof. They don't own the walls. They don't own the grass. Right. Because the grass and everything is all owned by the condo association. Right. So we oftentimes think about a condo association in mark in situations where that's the best way to do it, like a mid-rise or a high-rise building or a townhouse building where the roofs and the walls are all owned by the condo association, but the inside is owned by the individual. Right. But that's not the only way that they can be done. They can be done as single families where you don't maintain the grass because you don't own the grass, but you pay a higher fee because somebody else maintains it for you. HOA fee. Yeah. You pay a, a, it's, it's a, a condo, condo fee. fee. Yeah, it's yeah. a condo fee. You, 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 don't, you pay a higher fee because they're responsible for your roof. Right. So they replace your roof after 30 years and so forth. And then, and then to make things even more complicated, you do have a co-op, and that's where you actually buy a share in a building. The building is a privately traded corporation, and you buy your shares associated with that apartment. Right. So anyway, it, that, that's really the thing about a condo. The condo has common elements that are owned by everybody, and, and even though they may only be used by you, they're owned by everybody. JT, you see why I said he's the expert? I, I do. The building expert. Now, I've got a question. This might be better for Chris, who's not here, So, but I'll ask David anyway. I'll give it a shot. Um, so you've got that single-family home that's titled a condo, and yes. let's decide you know, a few years down the road, you go, hmm, you know what? I really don't want it to be a condo anymore. Can you yeah. change it? Yeah. I, I, you would, you'd have to read the documents for that particular condo association to see what that allows you to do. 
And I would imagine that you would probably need to get two-thirds of the people in that condo to agree with you. You can't, you wouldn't be able to do it on your own because yeah. you don't own the property. Yeah, right. You'd have to do it. You have to get everybody to agree to, to convert it. All or nothing. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And, and the reason that that gets set up that way sometimes is usually it's in a situation where they're not trying to age restrict, but they are trying to age encourage. And so they're hard, a little harder to get loans for those. And so you have to put more money down, and then you're encouraging people who have built up a lot of equity over time or have inherited money or whatever to buy in that situation because that's the only people that can really afford to do it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. So I got in the weeds, and I got nerdy, I know. Oh, man. Details, man. Devil's in the details, man. Absolutely. But no, the condos, man, it's, it's a very confusing subject. It's a very confusing loan product because there's multiple loan products out there that many people aren't very familiar with and whether it's a you know an approved condo development a non-warrantable which means it's not approved condo development that's a totally different loan product on what you know one bank will do versus the next bank and you would think that well if I'm approved to do this one why can't why am I not why am I not approved to do this one and then what's what's wrong with this building right next door yeah. and from the average consumer, you look at all three, if they're side by side by side, you're like, it's one condo versus the next condo versus the next. Yeah. And the the most difficult thing is with all of those loan restrictions that you have, not one of them has to do with the balance sheet of the, of the condo. No. And, Uh and if I was buying a condo and I would tell anybody who is thinking about buying a condominium that the most important thing that you need to look at, you do need to look at the restrictions, what you can and can't do. All right, this is going to be an important thing to see what you're going to say the f- most important thing is. Is to go take the balance sheet of the condo and take it to an accountant and say, tell me what you see. Okay. And let the and let the accountant look at the balance sheet and the income statement. And that, the crazy thing is I see people buy condos all the time and they don't even ask for that documentation. I, why are you? Why do you think? Why are you saying that's the most important piece? Because you're going to come at it from a different angle than where I'm going to come at it from. Well, because if you're buying into a condo building, and the condo building is 25 years old, and no repairs have been made for the last few years, and the and the condo does not have money set aside to make the kind of repairs that are necessary on a 25 year old building, you're going to get hit with a special assessment. Yeah. That's excellent, excellent advice right there. You're going to get hit with special assessment, and then you're going to have to pay your part of 30 years of repairs. Right. Even though you only own the the unit for two years. Yeah. Because the condo association hasn't been setting aside the kind of reserves necessary to take that cost of that roof and spread it out over 30 years. The other piece is the condo questionnaire, and you'll have to pay to get this typically, and some some uh, condo associations will not charge you two to two hundred fifty bucks to fill out this form, but it's going to tell you pretty much everything you need to know about the development, if it's financeable or not. And this will, if you if you're going to go in with paying one hundred percent cash, then this form is not necessarily as important. But if you're going to need a loan of some type, then you need this form filled out, and it's going to tell you whether or not you can obtain financing on this property or not, and it's going to save you a ton of. That's a ton of frustration. So a condo questionnaire and the balance sheet, I mean, that it's it'll weed out a bunch of frustration and headaches. I mean, the last thing you want to do is put all of your eggs into that $200,000 condo that will make or break you mm-hmm. and then find out two years later that they're broke 
mm-hmm. and your value is going to drop $100,000 because they're about to get a $10,000 per unit assessment. Yeah. And, and you're upside down in your loan, and you have no way out. Yeah, you're in at that point. Yeah. And, and it is interesting to me that there is never any kind of accounting review of the balance sheet as a lender, because I would think the lenders would care. But well, we wouldn't close on a loan. Um, unless the special assessment's paid, but you're not looking at it to say, is a special assessment coming? Well, you now have to make sure there's enough... It, that there, there's enough of a cruel in there to make sure everything's accounted for, but yet it gets you don't they don't get into it in depth as what you were talking about. Yeah. But at the same time, it's it's still a good indication of what's going on. Whether you're going to get an assessment coming down the road, if they're managing the budget wisely, um, I mean, you can just tell. I mean, you can just absolutely. tell. So. Yeah, absolutely. There's there are associations out there right now that if you said I want to see the income statement and the balance sheet, yeah. You, you, they they would say, well, we've got last January's. Yeah. Oh, I have a better one than that. We had a condo that we were working on that they hadn't updated anything for ten years. Ten years. Holy cow! That's really scary. Yeah, and we had to go through to get that updated to get it financeable. So it was a mess. Yes. It was a mess. So it ended up working out, and it ended up being okay. But yet. You're receiving documents from a condo association that's dated 10 years ago, and it was the most current documentation that they had. So you need to do your homework, people. It's basically the moral of the story. But anyway, we got to jump out to a break, but when we get back, we're going to get into the top renovation um, ideas to get you your maximum rate of return and carry on with the show. You've been listening to the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to News Radio 1510 WLIC. You're listening to the Money Man Mike Show, where we talk all things of real estate. Hey, you know, after last week's show, I got an uh, email and people were asking, how is it that Waterstone Mortgage can do some of the things that we can do, like the 100% doctor programs or $650,000 on a single loan or up to $850,000 at a 95% finance and stuff like that? And it's because we're our own bank. And we do everything in-house at Waterstone Mortgage, and uh, we control everything from A to Z, you know. So, you know, not every lender is created differently. And, you know, we basically work directly with Fannie and Freddie with all the direct investors. Uh, Everybody else could go out of business, and Waterstone Mortgage would still function. So if you've got a question, you've been turned down by somebody else or Does that, Mike, just – because you're a bank, does that mean that you guys pay for some of your own money? What do you mean, pay for some of our own money? Do you pay for some of your own money? In other words, do, do oh, you just keep our own money, service it? Yeah, yeah. We service us. We service some of our own loans. Um, we don't service all of our own loans. Nobody really does. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a whole nother different conversation. A lot of people think. Yeah. I mean that that I don't even want to get down that that there's road. A, there's a there's a very large mortgage company here in Nashville. Yep. That. They call it papering their own loans. They don't. They do not paper any of their own loans. They no. sell a hundred percent of their business. Yep. They may. I don't. I don't know if they're servicing loans or not. And we probably need to define the difference on that. There's a difference between being the company that collects the payments for somebody else uh-huh. and being the company that collects the payments for yourself. Uh-huh. And so some banks or some mortgage companies 
sell 100% of the loans. They may service some of them, but they do not keep ownership of any of their loans. And then other mortgage companies, because they are a bank as well, not only service loans, but they service their own loans, and they keep the loans on their own books. Yep. yep. And so, so Waterstone is a bank yes. that sometimes writes their own paper. Yes. That's what they call it in the industry. Yes. And then we also provide portfolio lending, which basically when it doesn't fit the traditional lending guidelines, then we expand that lending guideline where it makes sense and we create a new set of lending guidelines. Now, as a bank, you don't have retail. Is that correct? Not in the traditional thought of like- Checking a, account, savings accounts. No, we don't that do nature. that. Not here, at least. We do have retail uh, bank branches, but we do not have retail bank bank. Say that ten times fast. Retail Waterstone Bank branches in Nashville. No. Where do you have retail? All banks? of the Midwest. Okay, it's hmm. a Midwest bank. Didn't know that. Yeah. So that's the difference mm-hmm. between you and the other very large mortgage broker in the area. Is you guys have physical branches as well? We have physical branches. The biggest thing is, is when you come to us, we're completely. Totally, 100% focused on doing nothing but getting you the best mortgage program, making sure you're getting the best mortgage product for your needs. We're not worried about your checking or savings. We're not worried about any other stuff. We're solely focused on one thing and one thing only. That's getting you into the best mortgage product, period. Got it. So you're not that endless well of fees and services that are being tacked on by some other yep. banks. That's that not us. will absolutely take you right down the well. That's not us. As far as they can go. <laughs> That's not us. <laughs> did you like that, Jimmy? I did. I said it without saying it. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> okay, I've got a question to put Mike on the spot. What's up? Mike, are you a homeowner? Yes. Did you finance through Waterstone? Uh, we actually will not do employee. <laughs> How fu- come? Well, you conflict think of, of interest? Conflict of interest because sure. you've got our own personal information going through our own individuals. And plus, oh, we know good, how okay. to push things through the system. So it's just a protection against ourselves. And you don't want everybody knowing what you make. We don't. I mean, even even our own uh, executive staff won't put a loan through our own system. Wow. Well, especially they don't. They want you to know what, he, what well, they make. It's, it's just. It's, it's a, a. It's fraud prevention. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. it totally is. It totally is. Because I, I mean, it just I didn't think about yourself. it that way, but it makes sense. Could we do it? Yeah. Do we want to do it? Yeah. But it just protects ourselves. Yeah. yeah. So, especially when you have programs like. You know, I mean, we're not self-employed, but we can do self-employed loans and get get around the two-year requirement on, on tax returns for self-employed and get them with just one year's tax returns and get them financed and closed. And most other banks are going to be like, we can't do that. And yet we can do that legally, legitly, the whole nine yards. And, you know, then you add this other, well, you're an employee. Well, then they think that's a red flag. Well, no, it's not a red flag because we're not doing anything wrong. We're doing everything by the rules. But yet, at another lender, they're thinking you're doing something wrong, and you're not. It's just because we're equipped the way we are. We're set up the way we are. We follow everything to the rules. It's just that we're direct. We're a bank, and we don't care about anything else but making mortgage loans. What's your phone number? 615-585-5900. All right. 615-585-5900. Mike's the man. Give him a call. Call us. There you go. Now we're going to talk about David. He is the building man, the renovation <laughs> man, the house construction man. Absolutely. Home renovations, maximum yeah. rate of return. What's yes. the best thing that somebody can do to get the maximum rate of return on their house? Well, my, you know, my inclination is, is borne out by this article that you brought, and that is upgrade your landscaping. And it's interesting. You're talking right, right on the top here. We've, you got this article 
um, talking about the top five, four things that you can do. And the first one is upgrade your landscaping. And that is absolutely true. The interesting thing is they're talking about how much you need to invest. And if you're willing to do the work, physical work yourself, yeah, uh, this return of investment of 105% is uh, very light. Because if you once you own the tools to trim your bushes, it's easy. The, the, if, all it's going to cost you is your weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, and pulling the weeds is only going to cost you your time. I mean, uh-huh. Maybe you're going to go down and buy some Roundup, yeah. and you might spend five dollars or ten dollars on a, a bottle of Roundup. Mm-hmm. You know, but your return on investment is going to be huge. Right. It's going to be absolutely huge if you're willing to do some of the work yourself. I would say that this hundred and five percent return on investment must be if you pay a professional to do it. Um, the, the thing that it doesn't talk about on here that I would tell people, the second thing that I would do if you're going to sell your home to get a good return on investment is repaint your front door. Okay. And that's something that you can just do. Just Why, Other than it's the focal point, that's the first thing, or I guess one of the first things that people see when they're coming in once they're out of the, out of the car, walking up, the, walking up the, uh, yeah. the sidewalk, boom, you're at the front door. But what, what is it about the front door? It sets the tone. Okay. It sets the tone. Even though you may never use your front door, when someone comes to see your house to buy it, they're going through the front door the first time. Okay. Um, You may use the back door. You may always come in through the garage. And that's how we are. We we go through the back door, whereas some people may go through the front door. They're going to go through the front door. But the and then so number two they've got on here is replace your roof. And so there's a couple of things that I'll say about that. The first thing is, if you get some kind of wind damage to your roof, and you get an insurance adjustment for that and you take the money and you don't put the new roof on, <laughs> Yeah, you are really hurting yourself. You're True. really hurting yourself. So if you get yourself an adjustment, you know, go to capitalhomeideas.com and send me an email and I'll come out and replace your roof for you if you live in Davidson County. But do it. Don't not do it. Right. Think, well, I can live with it. It's not leaking because later on you're going to have to pay for that out of pocket because you already got paid for it. Exactly. Um, the other thing that people don't understand sometimes is usually the way those checks work is you get the first check that is the depreciated amount, and then you get the second check for completing the job. And if you don't, if you're not super familiar with how to read an adjustment, you may just take that first check and put it in your pocket, and not know that there's a whole other check coming if you actually get a new roof. And uh, and roofs are always a good return on investment for the same reasons. It's the impression. It's the first impression when you go to look at the house. Mm-hmm. The landscape looks neat and tidy. It doesn't need to have, you know, orchids. It doesn't need to have, you know, expensive plants. It just needs to be neat and tidy, not touching a house. Right. Clean, just clean, manicured. Manicured, brought, you know, looking good. And then get that roof. Uh, there's two others on here. We'll talk about that when we get back from the break. But, you know, just getting that first impression, the landscaping, the roof, the front door. If you And you can do those things, you know, the roof will be Probably a little of an expense, but the landscaping and the painting the front door is inexpensive. Yeah. I mean, it's just the first impressions. I mean, what is it, seven seconds people make a first impression when they meet somebody? People go to a house that's got really lousy landscaping and a tore up front door. They don't even get out of the car. They stay in the car and leave. (laughs) No, we don't want to look at this. Yeah. Keep driving. Don't care what the pictures look like on the inside. So car on block's not a good idea. (laughs) No. Put that in the backyard. Put it in the backyard, Jimmy. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we got to jump out to the break. When we get back, we're going to wrap up this list, and then we're going to get into uh, living in what what U.S. state gives you the biggest bang for your buck. Living in what U.S. states give you the biggest bang for your buck. Been listening to the Money Man Mike show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back to News Radio 1510 WLAC. You're listening to the Money Man Mike Show, where we talk all things of real estate. For the break, we're talking about the top renovations you can do for maximum rate of return. And initially, we reviewed the upgrading of your landscaping and then installing a new roof and painting your door because when someone rolls up, when they're looking at your house, if it's just not appealing, they're going to keep on rolling and not even stop. You know, so Jimmy was saying, take your car that's up on center blocks and move it around back or just get it on <laughs> down the road. And, of course, we discussed Jimmy's gnome cannot stay in the front yard. My lucky gnome. Your lucky gnome. <laughs> lucky or not, he's got to go. Man. But the next thing on the list is hardwood floors, upgrading the floors. Yeah. Yeah, and I, that definitely brings a nice return on investment. And, you know, some of these things you have to remember if you do – and you're going to live, you're not planning on moving, you just want to do it. Right. And you're going to live in the house for a couple more years or whatever. You get to enjoy it too. True. And the flooring is one of those things. You know, not only is it going to give you a nice return on investment, mm-hmm. but you get to enjoy it too. Right. I, I would caution people to be a little careful about the flooring. In other words, you can buy a installed $12 a square foot tile, or you can buy a installed $50 a square foot tile. And I'm not sure that most people will be able to tell that $38 square foot extra. And I don't think you're going to get a return on investment on that. But I will tell you this. If you have a a home and you're going to put it on the market and you're going to call Andrew Brewer to do that, and you're thinking, well, I'll just give people a flooring allowance to replace the the floors after they close. It will cost you money. You're better off going out and buying inexpensive but neutral colored flooring. And And just being done with it. Yeah. yeah, because even though people may rip it out the day after they close, you're going to get your return on investment. What is there it, preference between hardwood versus tile as far as listing it, trying to sell something from your point of view? People really love hardwood. Really like hardwood better? But from a livability, the tile is better. Okay. Yeah. People love the hardwood. I I, I get it, but I don't get it. What about, it what about carpet? Well. Uh, carpet is is fine too in certain in certain settings. I think the the answer to the question is always application. Where's the right application? What's yeah. the right material to use for that situation? So and not not in the kitchen. Carpet in the kitchen is probably not a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> Stay away from that. I do love the older houses that have the carpet in the bathroom. Don't you love that? Carpet <laughs> yeah. in the bathroom? Oh yeah, yeah. That was oh. pretty popular in the seventies and eighties. Shag carpet, baby. Oh yeah, no. it's pretty disgusting. All the way around the toilet and everything. No. It's really disgusting. Oh yeah, it's pretty awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pull that out and put something down. No, even if it's vinyl. No. Yeah, yeah. you know, and, and when people think about these renovation projects, and the next one is deck and patio, the return on investment right. that you big. get out of that. And that, you know, that's that's pretty close to dollar for dollar, if not better. Um, it really is. You know, the timing has to be right, and if you don't maintain it, it's not going to mean much. You put right. a deck in the back of your house, you spend $5,000, put a deck in the back of your house, and then don't maintain it and try to sell your house seven years later, you're not going to get a nickel for it. But it all, all comes back to that appearance. That yeah. f- that first seven seconds when they look at it, go, hey, it just pops, and it's like, wow, that's yeah. that's sharp. Yeah, And people ought to try to create a situation where they're thinking about the long-term maintenance. You know, and try to use materials that are appropriate for the region that we're in. Uh, Trex material is a really great material out in Oregon and in Northern California. Trex. Yeah, because it's dry and it's humid and those materials really hold up well. It does not hold up well here in Nashville. I I won't even install it. People ask me for it and I won't put it in. Really? Yeah, it doesn't hold up well. Too much moisture in the air. Too much water content. So I'm going to get 
hateful emails from Trex salespeople now. But I just, it's, what about the composite? So, well, that's a, the Trex that, is a composite. Oh, that is a composite. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it just doesn't perform really well in this environment. Really? Yeah, it's pretty lackluster. Better off getting pressure treated and putting a good sealer on it. Really? Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. So, yeah. It, it, the other interesting thing, uh, talking about nerding out. Let's nerd out a little bit. <laughs> Here we so, go. So, if you're my age, you've noticed that the carpenter bees have gotten a lot worse. Yes. They've gotten a lot worse. I've noticed them lately. And the reason is, is not because the carpenter bees have actually gotten worse. The reason is because they stopped using arsenic to pressure treat lumber about 15 to 20 years ago. And really? so, arsenic was poisonous to those carpenter bees, and the new material that they use is not. And that's why it's gotten worse. So what do you do other than other than just keep sealing the wood? You got to seal that wood up good, and then when you see them, you got to attack them with that spray foam to kill them. You got to be very aggressive about killing them. Because I've noticed the yeah, you put those jars up, and it's going to be like uh, um, the June bugs, you know, and not no the the, the uh, beetles that people used to put up the bags for the beetles. Yeah, yeah. And then they would attract every beetle for yeah. like two county radius to their house. Yeah, this if you put up those jars, you're kind of doing the same thing. You're attracting every Carpenter bee in a two mile radius to your house. Uh, so you just got to use that really that, that aggressive foam. You got to try to kill them and you got to try to keep your stuff sealed up pretty good. I hate those things. Oh, they're awful. They're worse than, I mean, I, I think in a lot of ways they're worse than termites. They just they eat stuff fast and hard. And then they'll come sting you or bite you or whatever. Well, I've never been stung by one. Uh, I, I'm allergic to them, so I don't. Yeah. Wasps are much worse. Ugh. Yeah. When we do remodels, the first the first tool, you know the first tool you always buy when you do a remodel if you're working on the outside? Spray. Yeah. Wasp spray. A couple cans of it. <laughs> Don't go out Long there reaching. Yeah. But so anyway, just to kind of recap, I mean, here's the things that we talked about that are great for return on investment for remodeling is one is upgrading your landscape in any way that you can. I think you can double your investment depending on if you do a lot of the work yourself. Add curb appeal. Yeah. Uh a new roof will always give you a good improvement. Painting your front door is a cheap and easy way to get yourself a little extra boost on that. Upgrading your flooring and then putting a deck and a patio on. And on our Facebook page, on Capital Homes Facebook page, we got a lot of great ideas on these different things. Um, and if you need a new roof or something like that, and I, give us a call. If, if you just want a referral for a landscaping company, give us a call. We don't really do landscaping um, or flooring. We refer that out unless you've got a bigger project. But uh, feel free to always call, give me a call, and I'll give you some good referrals and some good companies. Anything else you'd add to that list? I think those are the best ones. You know, what's notable, noticeably missing on this? What's that? Kitchens and bathrooms. Kitchen, though, is, exp it, well, if you're going to stay there and use it. That's right. Stay there and use it, then absolutely. But as far that as just right. to just do it and, and sell it in a year or so, yeah, that's the only reason why not. Yeah, the, refer, the, the return on investment is what this article is about. And so on the kitchen and bathrooms, you're getting a lot of pleasure out of it, but you're not getting a dollar-for-dollar dollar return on investment. Yeah. The other thing that's not on this list noticeably is adding square footage. And there are some environments where adding square footage will get you a dollar twenty return on investment for every dollar. Okay. And then there's other environments where it'll only get you 50 cents for every dollar. 
So this adding square footage is a little trickier. You really have to kind of know what the ceiling is. You want to call a professional like Andrew Brewer and say, what's my maximum size I can go in my neighborhood and still get return on investment for it? Right. And then look at how easily you can add that space to your home to see what kind of return investment you're going to get. Kitchen and baths are a little tougher. I would encourage you to do it in an environment where you're planning on enjoying the house for a while. Yeah, I mean, kitchen and baths always sell. I mean, especially with the ladies. Yeah. I mean, that's I mean, that's just boom, turnkey, done, but yet you well, can't if, go overboard with them. Yeah, and and if you're if you're buying the home on the front end and you're going to discount because you're going to remodel, that's also a different situation. You're right. Talking in this situation, this particular article that we're talking about, we're talking about you own the home and you're thinking about upgrading your home. What do you want to spend your money on? Mm-hmm. And you might be better off not spending money on the kitchen and bathroom and just selling it as is. Right. Rather than doing the return on investment. Right, thing. right, right. So how do you determine what you're going to spend as far as a budget goes with your renovation? Depends on what your budget is. Depends on what your exit plan is. Depends. But on how do you determine the budget? Well, I that's a I think that's a great question. And the answer that I give people a lot of times that's not the obvious answer, Jimmy, is I say start with working backwards. In other words, if your home is worth two hundred fifty thousand dollars, okay, what's the most I can get it to? Is three hundred thousand dollars for the neighborhood the most I'm going to get it to? Well, not in Westmead. Mm-hmm. Westmead, it might be a million. All right. You know, you could probably buy a house over there for three fifty, and you could end up with a million dollar home. Mm-hmm. Whereas in other areas, if you have a two hundred fifty thousand dollar home, you're already at the top, right. and the most you're ever going to get is two sixty. Right. And so that's where I start when I. And that's kind of the approach that we take when people say, David, I want to do a major remodel. The first thing I look at is how much sense does it make? Mm -hmm. Because I've learned over the years that despite people's intentions to do things that don't make sense, they won't. You know, they say, well, I don't care that I'm not going to get my $100,000 back. And they don't care until you get a third of the way into the job. And all of a sudden they care a lot and the job doesn't (laughs) get finished. And where you do all these bids and these estimates. And after you're all done with all the bids and estimates and you've spent hours and hours of your life doing them, they say, you know, I talked to my dad. My dad really thinks I had to just sell my home and buy a new home. And it's like, dad gone. And I told you that before I started this process, you know, and so. That's why every yeah. <laughs> so so, Jimmy, did I give you the answer that you're yeah, looking for? Yeah, you do. I think if you start on the other end and work your way backwards and say, okay, what's the most my house is going to be worth? What makes sense for my neighborhood? And the other thing, you know, and I tell this people all the time. And if you find yourself in the situation, definitely give me a call. Yes. Definitely go to capitalhomeideas.com. And that is, is it really worth doing any work or should you get a D4 diesel and tear your house down and start from scratch? And, and people it. are like, oh, you can't possibly throw away that much stuff and actually have it be better for you financially. They and do it every day. Let me tell you something. My next door neighbor just went through that and, and I tease with him a little bit. I try not to too much because he's a really, really, really good guy. But I think deep down inside, he wishes he had torn that sucker down and built the new house. Not a, not the one that's next door to me, but he bought another house. That oh, I was about to say, yeah. I, I yeah. saw the for sale sign. I was like, what? Yeah, no, no he, he he bought another piece of property around the corner, and I oh. think he really wishes he had torn that old house down and built a new one. Oh. Yeah. But, like, he's going to bulldoze that place where he's at? No, 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 no. no <laughs> Mike's no. like, I'll buy it. No. I was about to say, why are you bulldozing that? I can understand other places you bulldoze, but that doesn't look like it's a bulldozable property. So real quick, because I know we got to go soon, yeah. well. but the best state to live in affordably is Tennessee, because the other ones that are on the list are not worth living in. <laughs> ah, there you go. Great answer. 
<laughs> we'll pick this up uh, next week, but uh, tune in next week and we'll go through the few states that did beat Tennessee out, but uh, the, sh- the list is short, to say the least. Yeah, and you don't want to be there. No. You've been listening to the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WAC. Check us out online, moneymanmike.net, or on Facebook, Money Man Mike Radio. We're out. <laughs>